Ushers, could you please prepare for the tithes and offering? You know, one of the things I really enjoy about starting the new year is that when we do our daily devotions, we get to start at the beginning of the Bible. We start in the book of Genesis, and uh, I was just reading last week the story with Adam's two sons, Cain and Abel. And what was um, interesting about them was that they gave an offering to the Lord, and Cain give, gave his offering of what he planted and from his fruits, and then Abel gave his offering. And it says that it was from the first of his flock and of the fat of it. And he gave that to the Lord, and the Lord was pleased with Abel's offering. And you know, I was thinking about it. Why was he pleased with Abel's offering? And I thought, you know, when we give of our first and of the fat of the best, you know, it actually takes thought, it takes work, it takes time. We're looking for that. We're, we're seeking out. And everything that we're doing in that is with the heart of what we're doing for the Lord. And it reminded me that, you know, that's what God is after. You know, we, we, we give to the Lord. It's not just what we're giving, but it's our heart that's in it. It's our heart for the Lord. It's a heart that something that maybe we could use for ourselves and we could have profited from or benefited from. But rather than taking that first, we're saying, no, Lord, I trust in you. I thank you for your provision. I have faith in what you're doing, Lord, and I'm giving this to you first. And that's what he wants. He wants a heart that is after him. And we get to be a part of that. And that's the kind of God that he, that he is, that he loves us so much, that he's after your heart. So let's, uh, if you're visiting for the first time, we want to just welcome you tonight and receive tonight. If you're visiting from another church, we want to um, just encourage you to continue tithing and giving your offerings to your church. And if this is your home church, we're going to pre prepare to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this new year, Lord. That in everything that we do, we get to do with you, Lord. And Lord, you are after our hearts. So Lord, when we give of our tithes and our offerings, Lord, we give this to you wholeheartedly. May you take that, Lord. May you bless that. And may you bless others with that, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that we are blessed in what we get to do for you and as a church. So we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chad. Thank you so much. Go ahead, ushers. Well, tonight, while we were worshiping, if you have an, uh, what do you call this, like an Apple Watch or some kind of device, my, my Apple Watch kept buzzing because it thought I was working out. It was saying, it was saying, I see you're working out. Do you want to put it on elliptical, treadmill, like options? And I thought, I'm just worshiping God, man. So when you're worshiping God, you're also working out. So put that on your gauges. That'll, that'll work well. Oh, well, wasn't worship just great? Thank our worship team and all of our volunteers. Thank you so much. You know, we, we got to appreciate them because that, that's biblical. You know, the worshipers, those in the Bible, they went first when, it, uh, was bat when there was war, when there was a battle. All the worshipers went first. They called them the front lines, and that's what they do. Believe it or not, before you arrive here, the worship team is in battle already for us. We're the congregation. If you read, and, and Chad was talking about the book of Genesis, as we continue to read the book of Genesis, you're going to see God build the nation of Israel. And as they go into the promised land, they're going to, they're going to conquer some land. They're going to conquer some areas, and they're going to hit some walls, literally some walls. But the walls fall down because of the people who worshiped. And so whatever is happening in us, whatever goes on in our future, worship does great things. 
So never skip out on worship just thinking we're singing songs. No, we are battling in the spiritual realm. And it's a phenomenal thing that takes place, especially when we have a team like that that comes to the front line. Now, when I think of our front line team and, and just what we go through, uh, they go through some battles too. And they go through some tough times. So continuously pray for those who serve and pray for those who are on the front lines. And it not only includes the people that are up here on the platform, but it includes our sound technicians, our camera crew, people that are, uh, who are upstairs, those who run our multimedia. You know, all of those people are all involved in the front lines, our ushers, our greeters. That's all front lines people. So they go first in battle. In other words, they're going to take the hits before us. So we, we can thank them for that and thank them for jumping on the front lines. Yeah, we just want to say thank you. And if you have a favorite football team that, uh, and I want you to raise your hand, okay? If you have a favorite football team, hang on real quick, that didn't make the playoffs, raise your hand. That's me, Detroit Lions. Okay. So the reason I bring that up is because, like, I hear it so often that when teams don't make it and they're like, you know, 2 and 15, that's their record. You know, they only win two games. Like, we're in the rebuilding stage. We're in the rebuilding stage, which my team has been in the rebuilding stage ever since Barry Sanders was playing. So we continuously rebuild. Uh, but that's where we are as a church right now. We're not defeated. We are in the rebuilding stage. And what that means is God is continuously looking for more people to jump on board with what he's doing in this world. He calls it the kingdom of God. And when we're reading our devotions, by the way, devotions means we are devoting our time to the Lord, we read the Bible, and then we journal. That's what we mean by devotions. Well, when Jesus, when we read our devotions, right now Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist saying the kingdom of God is at hand. So when the kingdom of God is at hand, what, what that means is that God is establishing something, and he wants us to be a part of it. So for those who are serving, those who, or maybe you're thinking about serving, God is in the rebuilding process. God might be speaking to you tonight. Maybe you have a passion or some type of skill. Maybe you love music. Maybe you love singing. And God is saying, hey, jump on the worship team. Jump on front lines, camera crew, uh, uh, sound technician, or upstairs with the slides, you know, when they put up the words. And, I mean, if you feel like leading worship, like you want to sing, I'd say start with the slides first because it helps you to, to kind of ease the pain sometimes of nervousness. Uh, because you ask anyone who does the words, it can be nerve-wracking because you need to lead the entire congregation. But we're just, we're praying that God will continually build the teams and expand his kingdom with all of us being included. So I pray that God would speak to your heart. And when he does, obey him. Obey him. If God speaks to you and says, I, I, I gave you that talent, that skill to be used for me. And if it has to do something like with the worship team or front lines, just see one of us, Cat uh, or Glenn. Glenn was on keyboards tonight. Just talk to someone, and you don't have to do anything special. Just say, God spoke to me and says, I need to join the team. I don't know how to, but I'm just coming to you to say that that's what God spoke to me. And then we'll partner with you, and then we'll help you in becoming who God has created you to be. Because he didn't give you that gift, talent, skill, passion for nothing. It's to be used for him. So just obey God and, and see what he does. A couple of things that I, were, I was communicating this past week and, uh, and have been for 
I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks with our staff, uh, and I communicated it on Sunday, is the app that we're using and going paperless, and people are asking, you know, are we not, no longer having notes, physical notes? No, we will. We're just printing a lot less. And on Wednesday nights, our app has the scriptures and the points that we go through and a place that you can take notes versus the papers that we pass out. So if you want to uh, have the notes and, uh, or the scriptures, if you want the scriptures, then you can go onto the app and it has all the scriptures for tonight's uh, message or every uh, Wednesday night and Sunday. And then also I brought up something on Sunday and we're getting some feedback and it's good feedback and it has to do with service dogs. And so what we communicated on Sunday is that we want to be a church that welcomes all people, especially for those who uh, need a trained service dog. And so if, if people have a trained service dog, they're allowed to come into the buildings. If they don't have a trained service animal, not just a dog, but a trained service animal, because some people, they'll just bring whatever animals to church and, uh, because they love their pets. Uh, but we're not able to allow a non-trained animal to church because of the safety of others. And so I wanted to communicate that to you in case anybody, anyone asks. We want to make sure that we're um, being protective also for those who may be fearful of other animals or even dogs. And we want to make sure that they're trained service dogs. Otherwise, it can, you know, we can, uh, people can get hurt or, you know, someone might get into a, or dogs might get into fights because we've seen that happen a couple of times. So just wanted to communicate that. And then next week, or next week, what is today? Wednesday, not next week, Sunday, but next week, Wednesday, you're going to see the seats in a different arrangement. And the reason why we're putting it in a different arrangement is because when we first built this place, we added the stage, we added the soundboard, but we tried to uh, fit the seating to what it was before. And so now with laws and making sure that everything is done correctly, we want to uh, change the seating so that uh, it's, it's facing not just the platform, but that it's done in a way that people can move through the aisles and things like that. So next week, Wednesday, if you have a favorite seat, it may not be there like, oh, this is the perfect spot for me. This is the corner. It's the end. You know, whatever it is, it, it, it might go away. So please be gracious with us. We're trying our very best to make sure everything is, is done well. Uh, mostly, this aisle will not be here. So this aisle will be gone. You can stay in the same seats. It just, will have, it, 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 this, this aisle will, be, will have seats in there. And then I think there's another section that's going to go here. Those back seats are going to be turned a little and those back seats. So when you come next week, you'll see it. And if your seat is gone and you get upset, that's okay. You can come to the altar and repent. No big deal. No big deal. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. Okay, those are pretty much the things. Oh, yeah, and the tithe and offering uh, box that is in the fellowship hall. Uh, for those of you who are in the fellowship hall, when we have our tithes and offerings, you can put that in the bucket next to the, or not the bucket, the box next to the mirrors. And if you miss the offering bucket on a Wednesday or Sunday, or even if you come up during the week because people do that, They'll say, I want to give my tithe and offering. Uh, they, you can put it in that box next to the, the mirrors, okay? Okay, that was all I needed to say for housekeeping things. Let's get into the message tonight and the series that we're in. You're like, what? I thought that was the message. Almost, close. We're in a series talking about how my thoughts can shape me. Now, you know what is interesting about our thoughts? 
is that our thoughts can literally make us feel something that we don't want to feel. Like you don't like feeling mad. You don't like feeling jealous. You don't like feeling unforgiveness. You don't, we don't like feeling that, but our minds can make us feel things. And even though we want to get away from those feelings, the more we think about them, the more they stir up the feelings. Have you ever had like just a great day happening and then you see someone and then it instantly triggers either unforgiveness or resentment or, oh yeah, that person did this to me, oh that person said that, or, 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 or someone says something or you hear a certain song, a song comes, uh, if you're listening to the radio or uh, someone plays a song, you hear it, it triggers something and it, it reminds you of something bad, like a bad memory, and now you're thinking about these things. Or you're watching TV, a commercial comes on, and then now you're thinking about that. It's like our, our thoughts literally can shape us. Now, it doesn't do it physically. That would be great if we could think about physically reshaping our physical body, but it doesn't. It literally reshapes the way we think, the emotions that we have, even our very spirit. Our thoughts are that powerful. That's why we want to talk about how our thoughts shape us because whatever we're thinking has the ability and the capacity to direct us and shape our lives. Paul the Apostle stated in Philippians 4.8, and if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can. Paul the Apostle understood this clearly. And Paul, being one of the greatest evangelists, even till this day of, of uh, the, the, the letters that he wrote in the New Testament, he's, he's writing this to a group of people in Philippi who is building up the church and people are finding Christ, but they're still attached to their old ways. Because I think we're always attached to our old ways. It's, it's how do we live knowing that God has a future for us, yet we still have this flesh and our background attached to us. Well, Paul says this. He says, finally, brethren, in Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, if there is anything, worth, uh, if there is anything uh, worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things or dwell on these things. What he's saying is, here are some things that you're going to have to think about that will help you to shape your life. Everything from what is true to what is worthy of praise, what is of good repute, what is honorable. And in these weeks, we're going to go through each quality to see how that can help us to shape our lives for the better, for who God is making us to be. Last week, we talked about what is true. Tonight, we want to think about what is honorable. Now, just think about that word honorable. Like, we say that to the honorable judge because that's a place of honor. We, we say give honor where honor is due. Or some of us, we, we want like an honor reward. Why? Because there's something noble that was done. Or maybe you were a person who developed or showed good character and people recognized that and you were honored for that. But when you think about what is honorable... We're always faced with making decisions that are going to either honor God or dishonor him. Those are the two options, really. It's either going to honor God or dishonor God in our lives, in our families, our personal integrity. And the challenge for us is to really think through and develop the kind of thinking that is consistent with what is honorable. Because an inconsistent honorable thinking is not honorable. Honorable means you have like pure thinking. The word honorable in the Bible means to be venerated for character. Like you're respected for character. And the root word is to revere. 
to worship. Like there's, there's such honor that worship is a part of it. It means that you're possessing outstanding qualities, very good, you're excellent, grand, or impressive, especially in appearance. There's honor. It's an honorable appearance. You're characterized or arising from superiority of mind that you have such great thinking or character or ideals or morals, what is right and what is wrong. And when someone is honorable, it's because of their outstanding qualities, their appearance and how they carry themselves. They're excellent in character, how they speak, what they think. They have excellent morals. They really live out what is right rather than what is wrong. As Paul continues to birth churches and, and raise up people, he's speaking to a young man by the name of Timothy, and he's raising him up, and there are two letters in the Bible, in the New Testament, First and Second Timothy, that Paul is teaching this young man. And he says to Timothy, he says, pray in this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In other words, Paul is saying, if you want to think about what is honorable, you're going to have to pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives that are going to be marked by godliness and integrity or what is honorable. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You see, to think about what is honorable is tough to do because we need a person, someone, to set the example if we just read it on paper, we don't know what it looks like in real life. We don't know what it looks like when we're living it out. We don't know what it looks like when we're driving and people are driving insane. I was texting a friend. They, were on, they, they uh, flew to the mainland, and I said, hey, how are you doing? Just wanted to make sure you landed okay, everything good. They said, yep, but drivers are crazy over here. Like No one knows how to drive. But to them, what is honorable is not honking the horn at them. It's not telling them they're number one out of your window. It's not going very close to them and, and getting, you know, road rage. What is honorable is thinking about what is honorable. Like, what does it look like as we live out what is honorable? We can think what is honorable, but the whole process that Paul is looking at is not just thinking what is honorable, but how does that, how does that play out in your life? He also, he also spoke to the church in Corinth and he told them, here are some spiritual things that you need to be doing. He gave them the gifts of the Spirit. These things are needed. Titus, one of those who were, who were being used by God, wrote this. Teach the older men to exercise self-control. In Titus chapter 2, verse 2. Exercise self-control to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. In other words, don't just live randomly. He's saying, you got to think these things through. You have to live wisely. They must have sound mind sound faith, and be filled with love and patience. The book of Titus has given us just a, a clear picture that we, we, we have to be taught this. We have to be taught to live wisely. See, the world we live in will, will, will continuously feed us ways to live a life that is not honorable. Another, actually, what the world will do is the world will say, live how you want, and people must respect you. You demand respect from people. Regardless of how you are, because that's your freedom. You live in America, so that's your freedom. So however you want to live, just live however you want to live. And if that person doesn't respect you, they must respect you. It's like we're trying to demand honor from other people. But that's not what honor is. Honor is you, you're living in such a way 
that people see that, and there's honor. That's why we can honor God, because of who he is, his character. He's flawless. He's perfect. We can honor God. That's why we worship him, because he's worthy to be worshipped. He's honorable. And he says, these are the things you need to be thinking about. And the world will constantly feed us what is dishonoring rather than helping us to develop what is honoring. I heard someone said, you know, it started off that bullying was, was the movement that we were saying, let's not be bullies anymore. And then it slowly turns to where the bullied became the bully. It's almost like in school when, when I'm being bullied and then now my older brother comes over and says, hey, leave my brother alone. Now I become the bully because there's someone more powerful than me. See how that works? That's what happens in our world. We forget about thinking what is honorable and now we live however we want and demand honor. And God says that's not how you're supposed to think. When you think what is honorable, there's a way to do this. So the question is, then how can we be people who thinks about what is honorable as the world shows us and teaches us and tries to pull us in a different direction? And why is it necessary? Why is it necessary for us to think what is honorable? Why would God even tell us to think what is honorable? Well, that's what we're going to look at tonight because every single one of us can develop the mind that says, I want to think about what is honorable, not just in character, but with the Lord and to live that out in my life. We're going to look at three things, and here's the first one. Repent often. Really, what does repentance have to do with thinking what is honorable? Well, repentance means a change of the mind. That's what repentance means. That's why John the Baptist continuously said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's saying, turn from your ways, turn to God, follow him. No matter how big or small, repent often. Even in the little things, if you slip a word, if you say something negative to someone, if you, if you treat someone bad, or if you, if you do something that, that hurts someone else, repent quickly. Apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Quickly. Quickly. Rather than waiting for a long time and then letting all of that stuff build up, just repent often. Repent. The Bible gives us just the rewards of what repentance does repentance can do wonders because we're changing the way we think in second corinthians chapter 7 verses 8 through 10 paul the apostle says for even if i made you sorry with my letter and he's talking about a letter he wrote that kind of reprimanded them or admonished them uh, corrected them he said even though i i made you sorry with my letter i do not regret it though i did regret it for i perceive that the same epistle made you sorry or the letter a short letter made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us is nothing. He's saying, so there's, so there's no loss because you, you actually changed the way you were thinking. The letter that I wrote felt painful for me to write, and I felt sorry in the beginning because I saw the pain that you were going through of my correction, but now that I look at the change that you made, I'm not sorry because you repented. And so you lose nothing. And then he says this, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. He's saying godly sorrow, you don't regret that. It leads to salvation. It leads to life. But worldly sorrow, oh, that now 
that leads to death. Because worldly sorrow is not a repentance. It's not a change of the mind. A worldly sorrow is, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry that happened. Rather than a godly sorrow that leads to repentance, instead of saying, I'm sorry that happened, godly repentance says, I'm not doing that again. I'm going to change the way I think. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to treat you like that. I'm not going to speak to you like that. I'm not going to do that to you again. I'm not going to do that to those people. I'm not going to say these things again. I, I've repented, which means I have changed the way I now think. Because everything starts with the, the mind, the thought process that takes place. We first think it, and then we do it. We move forward with what we're thinking. And the more we think about something, the more it shapes our life. That's why the Bible is telling us, and Paul the Apostle is saying, think about what is honorable. Because that will affect every other area in your life. If you're thinking what is honorable, you're going you're to start to do honorable things. And if you're not thinking about what is honorable, you're going to gravitate towards things that are not honorable. And so Paul, as he writes this letter, he's saying this, this painful discipline that I'm giving you, the correction, is nowhere near the pain that you're going to feel with the consequence if you don't repent. That's why if we, if we repent often and we, we, we change the way we think, really what we're doing is we are renewing our mind physically. Our neurons that have been built up ever since we were born, that have composed its own, like its own brain in our brain to react, to respond the way we do from all our life, it, it, it trained us to respond in this way. That's why we really don't have to think when someone does something or says something, we react quickly. So fast. We don't even have to think about it. Why? Because our neurons have already fired before we even are able to take back our words. That's why for some of us, the moment we say something, our spirit tells us, you knew that was wrong. The moment we did something, our spirit told us that, you know, that wasn't right. Yeah, our mind may not tell us that, but our spirit will. We will discern that. That's why we need to repent often and repent quickly, as fast as possible. Just repent as quick as possible. So when you repent often, what you're doing is you're just changing the way you think constantly. And what's going to happen is when all of these neurons are built up, this is the way we are because sometimes we say that it's like, oh, that's just Sheldon. That's just the way he is. What we're saying is that's just the way he thinks. That's the way he acts. That's just him. But if, we're, if that's who we, we are right now and God says, no, but I want you to think what is honorable, now we have to think with this one neuron and one little synapsis, one little transmitting uh, little synapsis. Is bzz, bzz, bzz. I'm thinking what is honorable, but I want to say this. Bzz, bzz, and then two neurons will gang up. And they'll say, but you've got to fight it. And you're going to feel it. We call it our blood is now boiling. Have you ever had that moment where your blood is boiling? You're hot. And you're physically hot. And you like scrap. You want to say something. You, you, you just want to, you want to tell people off. You write the email. And you're like... I don't know if I can send this. You, put, you post. I don't know if I can send this post. Delete, 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 delete. You know what's happening? Our, our neurons are battling. Our neurons are built up right here. And then you have a couple that are fighting for thinking what is honorable. And when you feel that fight, support the two neurons. <laughs> support these guys. They need help. You got like 500 million going, yeah, and you have two like, woohoo. These guys need help. So what we do is we establish new neurons. 
We keep feeding this side. You think about what is honorable. Would God do that? Would God uh, appreciate that? Would that be pleasing to God? No, this wouldn't be pleasing, but this would. Okay, let's keep building that. And the more we build this side up, the more these guys die. They literally die because you're not feeding them. That's what it means to repent often. The more we repent, the more we're supporting these two neurons <laughs> that are like all by themselves. Romans 12, 17 tells us, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. You don't pay back evil for evil. I remember early on in our marriage for Heidi and I, it was, it was one for one. It was like, oh, you do this, I do this. Oh, you like to spend $20 over there? I can spend $20 over here. Oh, you like to go out with your friends for two hours? I can go out with my friends for two hours. Oh, you want to do that for five days? I'm going to do this for five days. Oh, you like get up late? I'm going to get up late. Oh, you don't like to take the kids to school? I'm not going to take the kids to school. They're just going to flunk. Like we kept battling and battling and battling, and we all lose out. Like our marriage was losing out. But when you repent often, it's no longer about competing with each other. It's now complementing each other. That maybe your spouse at that moment, they're not doing well. Well, you've got to help them. And the more we repent, the more we change the way we think. Not, not paying back evil for evil or you did this, I did that. The more, the more we honor God. Because the more we're thinking about what is honorable, our actions are going to follow thereafter. We gotta be able to repent often. The moment something happens, your spirit is gonna catch it. Repent. When you're reading the Bible, instead of saying, "Oh, this is good for it's good for Heidi," I'm gonna highlight this, take a picture of it, send it to her, and say, "Look at what the Lord showed me for you." Take it for you and say, "Lord, this is what you're teaching me." You know, we talk about doing devotions, and Heidi and I were just talking about this the other day. That some years ago, something changed in our devotions. And if you do devotions and you write things. Uh, sometimes we'll say, you know, Lord, you're saying to think about whatever things are true, honorable, uh, pure, lovely, of good repute, and so forth. You're, you're saying to think about these things. And then I would write down, so Lord, help us to think about these things that are good because we need that help. There are so many people that need to think about these things. Instead of saying us, we, or they, I would change it to I, me. In other words, you personalize it. Because that's what repentance is. Repentance is a personal change of mind. That no longer am, am I saying, oh, Lord, they need to repent. Oh, it would be good for us if we learned this. No, no. Lord, it's good for me if I learned this. Lord, help me to do better. I need to work on. It's me. It's, it's I. It's the only time that we should really think about ourselves in that kind of way. That, God, you're teaching me something. It's when it comes to repentance. And we repent with the Lord. And we repent often. Here's the second thing. To renew my thought process. In other words, we have a process of thinking ever since we were born. We process things in different ways. We're different thinkers. I'm the type of person who thinks problem solving. I need to, I need to solve the problem. I don't have time to go through a whole equation if I know the answer. The problem with that is I'm not in a situation where everyone just wants to solve the problem. I'm in a situation where people are asking questions about why do we need to do it like this. I'm in a situation where Heidi's, uh, Heidi is a processor. She processes things. 
She thinks things through, which is great for our family because otherwise we'd all be dead. So we, she processes things. So when we're talking to each other, I'm, I'm forgetting about step two, three, four, five, and six. I'm saying, Heidi, we need to travel next month. Okay, let's make the reservations. Boom. She says, okay, but who's going to take care of the dogs? Just give them a huge bowl of food, a huge bowl of water, and we're good. No, no, no. They need to eat consistently every day. So systematically, we've got to think this out. No, we're only going to be gone for five days. We've got to make the flight and this and that. Okay, well, what savings are we going to take this out of? It doesn't care what savings. It doesn't matter. It does because come Christmas time, we're not going to have money in this account. Just throw them in one account. No, because you're going to spend it all. Okay, so how are we going to do this? Now I have to slow down and systematically think things through. See, every, everybody thinks things through differently. Now, when it comes to the way we think, and if we're thinking about what is honorable, then we're now thinking about, okay, God, how do I process things when I'm renewing my mind? Because I've always known it this way. But now with you, God, you're telling me to be now, now to be patient, to be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. Like we really need to renew the way we process things. Because with the Lord, he has all the time in the world. We don't. It's like, Lord, I got five minutes. What? What? I got to go. And God is speaking to us, but he's trying to shape us. And if my thought process is not being renewed, then I'm going to stay the same because it all begins up here. Did you know that the more you think about what is honorable, the more you become it? That's why Paul is saying, think about what is honorable. I have, to, I have to constantly think about what would make me a good husband. I have to constantly think about, and not just in general, but, with, but specifically in areas that I need to improve in. That's something that I, I have to do something about. If I'm thinking about well, what would make me a good husband, I, I have to now implement specific things. Be a good listener. Uh, follow through with what you're going to say. Rather than me saying... What would make Heidi a good wife? Like, how do I change her? How do I change Heidi so that she fits my needs? If I'm constantly thinking that, and if I'm constantly trying to change someone else, then I'm only setting myself up for disappointment because no one is going to change how I want them to change because I don't and you don't make the person. God makes the person. And if we're going to be people who thinks about what is honorable, the process in which we think has to be renewed. It has to be the way God thinks. In Romans 12.1, or excuse me, 12.2, it clearly tells us, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, if you want to live honorable, if you want to think about what is honorable, you've got to change your thinking process. You don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. That's the only way it's going to happen. When we, were, we played basketball a couple weeks ago on Sunday, and my grandson Jaden comes with us. He's nine years old, and there's some other kids that will play with us. Well, there's this other kid, I believe he's around 14, uh, but he's bigger than Jaden, and he kept stealing the ball from Jaden because he is good, and Jaden started to get frustrated, and to the point where he walked off the court, he walked off the court 
and I, I was wondering, where is he going? And I was sitting down waiting for the next game, recoup, recuperating from the first game and stretching because I'm 40-something. And I watched him walk to the side and he sat down. You know, you sit down and you just sulk. And he put his head down and he's sitting down, he puts his head down. And then another kid comes up to, next to him and says, and I'm watching this and he's asking him what's wrong. And then Jaden is like, leave me alone. And he's like, what's wrong? He said, leave me alone. He says, why? What? And then Jaden starts crying. I don't know if he let me share this, but he's not around. So uh, he starts crying, and, and I see the other kid asking him, what is wrong? And so I, I kind of go by them, and I, I, I saw Jaden, and I said, Jaden, what's, what's the matter? Why, why are you crying? He says, because. And you know what? Now when someone comes to you and asks you, what, oh, because, and oh, everything starts coming. Oh, because I had a kid. He's stealing. He's laying the ball from me every time. I said, What? He's stealing the ball from me. He keeps taking the ball away. And I'm like, you know you're playing basketball, right? That happens in a game. You can do the same thing too. He said, yeah, but he keeps stealing the ball away from me. I said, or you can get better. You can get better, you know. Like, if you know he's going to steal the ball from you, pass before he gets there. If you know he's coming to you, Stop dribbling in front of him and acting like Kyrie. Do something different. Use your body. He's an NBA player, Kyrie. Okay, just in case you thought that was your friend, Kyrie. Different. Do something different, Jaden. Don't stay the same. And so I let him go, left him with that, and then went back out there. It took him a couple of minutes to gather himself, came back on, he was fine. Did things different. That's what repentance looks like. Oh, we may have a moment of feelings. We may have a moment of frustration. We may go through emotional times. But let's do something about it. Let's not just stay there. Why stay on the sidelines when you can be in the game and do something different? That's what renewing our process looks like. Like, if we're going to do the same things over and over, expecting different results, what is that called? Insane. We even know the definition. So what God is saying is renew your process. Process things differently. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. He says, Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. In other words, the Bible is saying, Yeah, someone may say, Oh, yeah, have fun, yeah, enjoy, come to my house, yeah, relax. But when you're in their house relaxing and eating, they're only talking bad about you. Like, look how much this person eat. What, they just go to the refrigerator, help themselves. But you're saying to them, Yeah, eat, relax. Hey, my home is your home. You family, you family. They get up, change the channel, you're like, well, you're not that family. <laughs> what the Bible is saying is, you can say these things, but do you actually mean it? So as we constantly think about these things, are we, are we wanting to be honorable people as we think about what is honorable? What if people, because you might be thinking, what if, what if people say things about me? And, it's, and I'm not that person. What if people talk about me, gossip about, gossip about me? I got to defend myself. I got to say something. I'm glad you asked that question. 1 Peter 2, verses 12 and 15 says it like this. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. In verse 15, it says, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. 
In other words, the Bible is saying you don't have to defend yourself when you're living an honorable life. If you're not living an honorable life, you will be on Facebook snapping back and forth. You will be talking to people. You will go visit that person at work. You are going to tell that person, what's up? You're going to do these things if you're not living an honorable life. But if you're living an honorable life, the Bible is saying, that's all you need to say. Because no matter what they're saying, if that's not you, you don't have to worry about it. Don't waste your energy with people who are spending theirs on you when you're living an honorable life. You have greater things to do. God has a greater plan for you than wasting your time, expending all your energy, trying to prove to people that's not you. Let your lifestyle do it. That's what the Bible is saying. Just let your your lifestyle do it. Repent often. Renew the way you you process things. And then the last thing, and here's a, a, it's a crystal clear one that Bible is going to give us. Right my wrongs. Like make things right. Because there are certain things that we did wrong that nowadays we'll look back at and say, oh, I could have done that better. I certainly could have made that better. But now we can make it right. And then there are some things that we're not able to make right. That's fine. The Bible says as far as it depends on you, you be at peace with all men. You be at peace with people. But as far as we can, then we can right our wrongs. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 tells us if we are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. The Bible is telling us righting your wrongs are more significant than your sacrificial worship to me. So God is saying. Your sacrificial worship, if you have something wrong against someone and it's dishonorable, make that right. That's more honoring to me than it is your sacrificial worship. This is honorable. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells us, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Do you not belong, oh, you do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price So you must honor God with your body. See, the Bible is telling us that the temple, when in the book of Matthew, the temple, you're going to go to the temple and you're going to give your sacrifice. But if you have something against someone, go make that right. Now, because of the Holy Spirit and us being the temple of the Holy Spirit, here's where we can make right. Here's where everything is going to happen. It's in our heart. And the Bible is saying, before you go to this, before your heart is presented before God, before you do any sacrificial worship to God, go and make it right with that person. And it'll go well with you. Heidi's uh, family kind of took me in when I was 12 years old because that's when I met her. So I knew them for a long time. And we were teenage parents. So uh, her grandmother and grandfather wasn't too happy about that. And so I would go over when uh, my son Justin was little and would just hang out. And they'll give us rules that we'd have certain rules that when we're, when we're in the house that we were to abide by. Well, sometimes I broke some of the rules because of whatever, you know, stage I was in in life. I was 15, 16. So after a while, it was, I wasn't the most liked person and I could understand why. And time went by and, you know, you know 20 years go by and I find Jesus Christ and, you know, 
give my life to Christ, and, and Heidi and I attend church, serves, and, and all of that. Well, it was on one of their family get-togethers that we're all just hanging out, eating dinner, and I felt the Lord say to me, you need to make right with them, with how you treated them when you were a teenager. And by this time, I was probably in my, my later 20s, and so I was thinking, but what did I do wrong? And it's almost like God didn't have to explain it. I just had to trust that he knew what he was talking about. So I, I trusted that God was, God was going to do something. So I, I went over to Heidi's grandmother and grandfather, and, and I said, hey, um, can I talk to you guys real quick? They said, yeah, sure. So I said, can we go outside? And we we're in like a hall, like a banquet uh, area. So we went outside, and, and I said, hey, I, I just need to ask for your forgiveness of how I treated you guys when, uh, when I was, uh, when, when, my, when Just, Justin was born and when uh, you were taking care of Heidi at that time and, and, you know, when I would come over and the things that I said and, and how I treated you guys, I wasn't, I, you didn't deserve that, so can you forgive me? And both of them, without hesitation, absolutely, like I was cute again. It's like, oh, it's okay. And her, her grandmother said, you were just a kid. What did you know? And I could have took offense to it. I was like, what do you mean I was a kid? What do I know? I know plenty. But I, I just felt like, you know what? This is making right what I did wrong. It was probably about three weeks after that her grandfather passed away. And I thought to myself, I would have carried that for the rest of my life. Now, what if you can't make right what is wrong? Well, you can still with God. That's what repentance is. That's what renewing our mind is all about. It's saying, God, I might not, I might not be able to, to make this right with that other person, but I can make this right with you. See, righting our wrongs is an act of worship. It allows us to be freed from whatever is taking us backwards. And when you right your wrongs in the way you think, and now you're thinking about what is honorable rather than ungodly thoughts. Thoughts of bitterness, resentment, jealousy, anger, lust, envy, or scheming and unforgiveness. That's our, that's our worship, our act of worship towards God. 2 Timothy 2.21 tells us if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. I think we all want to be used for a good work in every area of life. And it's, it's going to take the kind of thinking that says, I want to live honorable. I want to leave us with this scripture, and Glenn, you can come to the keyboard. James chapter 3, verse 13 tells us, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Living an honorable life comes from thinking about what is honorable. And as we continue with this series, thinking about what is honorable will come back to how we view God. Because God is the one who is most honorable. If we need a person to be the example, then Jesus is that person. As we pray tonight, as we close in prayer, let's set our sights on Jesus. Let's think about not just what is honorable, but let's think about who is honorable. 
you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes for a moment. Lord, you've given us a, a way to think. And you said, whatever is honorable to dwell on these things. In other words, to think about these things because that's what's going to shape our lives. Whatever we think about shapes us. It, it, it shapes our behavior. It shapes our emotions. It, it gives us reason to do something, the way we think. So if you're that example, we want to think about what you would do as we read your word, as we do our devotions, as we pray. We want to think about what is honorable, but not just think about what is honorable. We want to think about who is honorable, and you are honorable. You don't demand respect, God. You, you actually deserve it. And sometimes our heart is in the wrong place, so we want to repent often, Lord, first of all with you, with whatever we go through, and, and at any time we have that, that spirit that divides us from you, we want to repent from that. We want to change the way we think. We want to do that often, Lord. Help us to renew how we process things because we've been so used to the ways of the world and our upbringing and the way we do things. We don't want our way. We want it your way. But we've got to renew our process. And as we do, we're going to be able to see more of who you are and we're going to be able to see who is honorable and when we do, we're going to be able to right the things that have been done that were wrong in our lives. And we can make corrections even still today. It's not too late to right our wrongs because you've given us a way out. And so we choose to repent. We choose to change the way we think. And I pray for all of us that as we do so, you would give us a new way of thinking, give us new vision for our life, that as we think about what is honorable, we think about those things that is pure. We think about what is respectful, good morals, that would live a life that is honorable to you. And as we do so, even though people may say things about us, if we're living honorable lives, we're thinking about what is honorable. Instead of slandering, getting back at people, repaying evil for evil, we're going to be able to shine for you. And when people see that, they are going to be able to say that person lives and thinks an honorable life, and it's all because of you, the one who modeled for us what honor looks like. It's in your name that we pray, Lord Jesus, and we all said together, amen, amen. So good, so good. Yes, he deserves that.